Hey everyone, this is Asher and welcome to Living in This Queer Body, a podcast about barriers to embodiment and how our collective body stories can bring us back to ourselves. Thank you for tuning in today. I have really just one announcement and then we will get on to our guests. So I wanted to make people aware of an offering that is really accessible to most folks and I'm hoping that it can gain some momentum because it's an opportunity to really expand the living in this queer body community to people who do not live in New York where I live or even for especially for folks who don't live in larger urban areas who want to connect and have in-depth conversations about queer embodiment. Uh, if you become a patron uh, through my Patreon, so it's uh, just go to Patreon and living in this queer body. There's a lot of information about how to um, become part of the community, and we have bi-weekly post-podcast discussions on Tuesdays. And if you can't tune in live, you can get a recording of the community conversation, and we can really dive into some of these topics that, um, you know, kind of only sort of begin to be touched on in the the podcast interview. So I hope folks can... Um, spread the word about that. If there are people that you want to be in conversation with, invite them to join. I appreciate you listening. So today we have a really, really cool person who I definitely enjoyed talking to and who also is someone who's been making work that has inspired me for quite some time. When I was in my very early 20s, I lived in San Francisco and first encountered Zarathustra's work through uh, a patch that someone made and that I had on my backpack that I wore around to different protests I was going to and it said SF stops wars. So I felt really honored actually to interview Zarathustra after all this time of really appreciating their work and I wanted to read a uh, a review by Michelle T, who's an author of Zarathustra's work. Michelle T on Amazon says, Thustra's art fills me with a crazy, unhinged joy. It makes you want to do something joyful and spectacular and very illegal. I would like to think that my heart looks something like this and yours too. I thought that was really beautiful. So Zarathustra is a Bay Area queer artist and activist who defies categories with their anti-capitalist and revolutionary art. Since moving to San Francisco in 1995, Zara, a self-taught and hardworking artist, casts spells with their giant, colorful graffiti on rooftops and in the streets calling for heart over capital, no more prisons, stop America, and free the free. At the height of the dot-com boom, Zara created posters and banners with powerful political imagery for Mission Anti-Displacement Coalition and organized art auctions raising tens of thousands of dollars for the Coalition on Homelessness. They were part of an activist affinity group, Punks Against War and Gay Shame, that opened squats and organized protests in response to the Second Gulf War. Rooted in the spirit of feminist, punk, and radical black and brown movements, they have hosted countless free dinners, music, and dance parties, and free clothing, poster, and calendar giveaways. Zara co-organized the anti-capitalist fashion show at the abandoned San Francisco Piers, which is actually something that I was happening when I was living in San Francisco and everyone was talking about it. It was like the coolest, most radical thing that was happening. Never settling on one art form, Zara's work is a constant evolution of mediums and ideas. This evolution is well documented in their 2013 self-published book titled Friendship Between Artists is an Equation of Love and Survival, highlighting nearly 20 years of art and activism in graffiti, painting, murals, and their longtime collaboration with artist Siobhan Olavalot as the video and performance duo Love Wars. Zara has shown their work in galleries, museums, and various underground spaces, including Needles and Pins, Adobe Books, YBCA's Bay Area Now exhibit, San Francisco MoMA, Berkeley Art Museum, and painted murals on 
Clarion Alley and San Francisco Queer Bar El Rio and many, many more and is touring across the country doing this now. Zara has often challenged and refused the art world's co-optation and commodification instead of using their art to support and build networks of care. In 2015, Zara had a solo retrospective show at The Lab where the exhibit featured hundreds of pieces of artwork and were auctioned off to benefit the queer elder and activist Kay Nana Griffin. Zara's ongoing portrait project using a mobile photo booth set up at various Bay Area events and parties invites participants to feel sexy and embodied. The finished portraits contributing to a larger visual culture celebrating all queer bodies. I'd like to begin with a question about how you came to know or understand that you had a body or what you learned about having a body, maybe at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you prepped me on this question. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's, I don't know, when you first posed this question to me, basically getting me ready to think about it a little bit. Um, it's such, it's such a hard, like amazing, broad question. Um, and my first, my first reaction basically was to, um, think about trauma, you know? And, uh, when you, when you said, you know, when did you first realize you were in a body? My first reaction was, you know, thinking for a moment and having like weird feelings in my body, just trying to like remember like at the earliest age like the first time I touched or the first time I saw or something like when was this first time the the person that I am um now presently not someone who really likes to invest myself in like living in my trauma if if I can help it steered me really quickly into some other directions which was like you know, when was, what what were the first times that I experienced joy or, you know, like, um, was like the first like uh, positive, uh, you know, touch sense, um, feelings I have. And I can barely remember any of them <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and, um, I can remember their trauma stuff, you know, like it was yesterday, like or something. Yeah. I remember uh, all the trauma stuff and I know that there's, I, I really do remember a lot of social constructs and a lot of family, um, you know, putting me in my body. I'm not um, sort of, you know, my family, um, like uh, my immediate family was um, was supportive of uh, whatever sort of person and being I was going to be in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, like I've, uh, you know, sort of uh, queer... Um, hippie parents but they might not fit that bill like perfectly you know they're east coast mm. hippie mm. parents so oh, yeah. it's like not really like a west coast style of a hippie uh-huh. but um so they you know they were pretty hands-off I mean you know like um just even like as a young person like saying which way I could do like my hair or be myself or anything but my extended family you know, like I, my Jaja is, uh, is my Polish grandfather, you know, would state pretty clearly that like, um, you know, that he would like kill me or have the family, uh, beat, uh, beat me until, uh, I was right. Whatever might be wrong with me. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, um, and that was like a really young age, like four and five, you know, like uh, your grandfather's like looking at you in the eyes and saying, like, if there's anything funny about you, you know, uh, we'll take care of it, mm-hmm. um, is the mm-hmm. way he would put it. Mm-hmm. And, and that was with a grain of salt, like, you know, knowing that he loves you and he's like holding you while he says it, you know. So um, but at the same time, I mean, the threat was, you know. It was medium. It was pretty, it was real on his part. So things like trauma, I mean, that really squares you up in your body for sure. Like, Mm. um, 
but I definitely am in mostly in my life trying to like just direct all my attention into to positive energies. Like I'm not necessarily like, you know, not interested in focusing on trauma in my life, but, um, but I do tend to take questions and, and not just immediately engage with, with that being the loudest thought in my head. Right. So I didn't really know how to answer the question. Yeah, no, no, it <laughs> actually, know, it's a hard I, question. It's a hard question. Also, it's really, I'm, I'm actually really interested in hearing maybe a little bit more about how yeah. you came to make kind of that distinction. It sounds like at some point or probably slowly over time, you, how I came to make the distinction to like turn my attention to that. Yeah. Um, Because I think it's really important for other people to hear how, at least how it happened for you, you know, or how it was. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I was in a a long-term relationship and I was living with a partner in the Tenderloin in a small, like a, like a really small apartment. Mm. And we were, um, like, uh, cohabitating and living together. Like we had, like all of our life was intertwined, you know, we were really good friends. We were best friends and we were living with each other. And in this, it was a long-term situation. So as the years went by, you know, we were still really great friends, but there, I just started to take a look at like why I was remembering so much of our immediate history like me and my partner for the we've been partners for five years and when I think about the last five years some of the loudest you know thoughts in my head were uh tragic events in our relationship you know like um something happening where trust was broken or something happening where um something scary might have happened you know some type of fight or you know, for us, it was a lot of things, you know, to be honest, but I like our level of, uh, you know, running around and being pretty crazy was, was a lot. So, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I was just like, gosh, you know, I really, really love this person. And um, they're like my best friend. And my mind is keeps taking me back to these events that I would actually prefer to let go of. And like move on from and not not be referencing as like um, a main point in our relationship this last time you harmed me or something happened that wasn't right. Yeah. You know, like I wanted my mind to to just focus on like because a lot of these years were like 90 percent good. You know, and you're like, wow, like I had a wonderful years with this person and, and my mind's focused on a couple of bad things mm-hmm. that happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I started yeah. to really investigate it at that point and just be like, you know, like, you know, just thinking that I don't want my mind to be that way. You know, like I want to like relieve myself of these moments and, and not have them be the the you know beginning point of my next interaction with this person mm-hmm. so, so somewhere within there I think Don yeah. generally being a positive person <laughs> yeah yeah what are the things um, you think that that kind of help support you in sticking with that in a way because I think that sometimes we can you know if we've experienced trauma or difficult things in our lives wow. which most people have it's uh, it's like slippery, you know, you can kind of like slip back into it or something like that. If you don't, right. I don't know if that's something you've. No, I, I, I relate to that. That, I mean, for me, it goes around to a bunch of different subjects in, in my life. I guess I'm being mm. interviewed, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> which is a trip. Um, you know, like early on in my life, I, I had ran around a lot and, um, you know, just kind of just like, uh, my immediate energetic thing was to like run with other kids that uh, weren't tied to schools and like weren't tied to family life as much. Like we were just running around mm-hmm. and I had a lot of experiences like with sedating myself and using drugs and alcohol like daily. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a young person, like maybe starting at 13 and headed up upwards. And so um, when I was like 18, I, uh, got really into AA for a little while, um, mm-hmm. through like a court ordered, uh, uh, program I had to go through. I got into AA 
And in AA, uh, as a youth, they talk to you about not hanging out with people that um, speak in war stories, right? Mm. And so like a war story is when people are talking about, you know, like all sorts of things that have happened in the past and uh, all this, like, you know, like you sit around with your friends and, yeah. and everybody's like, oh, you know, like two years ago, this happened. Five years ago, this happened. This one time, this thing, this happens. And everybody's like focused on these things. And I really realized I wanted to not um, hang out with people that were like um, hanging out you know, like, and um, talking about whatever might have happened in the past, like I wanted to speak to people that were moving into the future, you know, and Mm -hmm. that I wanted to like speak to people that were like, just talking about what they were gonna do. And I started to like, you know, separate myself from my, a lot of people and my old friends, and being like, you're, you're, you're stuck in this mess, like not for messing with that. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna try to move forward with people talking about the future. And then, so from there, it's kind of similar where for me to lately, especially in my life, I'm really gravitating away from people that are talking about uh, trauma in a way that is like solidified or something like trauma as a base to make decisions from trauma as a base fact to judge people about and trauma as like a base thinking sort of energetic feel. And I'm like, more basically trying to hang out with people that want to look at other things, you know, like uh, have a base reality, like we're all connected and Mm -hmm. we're all, um, you know, a base where we're all trying to not be judgmental. And it's lately feeling super toxic to have any type of fear. And so like uh, trauma and fear have something to do with each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did you... And you can ask me to clarify anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a... Some people have said that, you know, I talk, uh, you know, I don't always put my words together the way I mean to. No, it's me. I I feel like you're making a lot of sense so far. I'm curious, you know, how you, in what, what part in that kind of process, that earlier part of the process, when you're, when you're kind of moving away from the war story part of your life, maybe. How did you, where, where did moving to the Bay Area fit into all of that? Oh, where did it fit in? Um, I, I like had a thing when I was like 17 years old, I was like a couple months before my birthday where I turned 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, A few months before my birthday, I like just was asleep in my house and I like sat right up and I was like, wow, like I don't need to be here anymore. Mm. I was like, I don't have to wait for my birthday. I was like, it's too close. By the time I'm gone, it'll be my birthday. And I just like realized I didn't have to wait like another two months <laughs> to bounce, <laughs> you know. And I like shot up. It just hit me like a lightning bolt. I was like, damn, I can just leave. Like this is done. So I left. You know, I was in pretty good relationship with my mom at the time. We had gone through a lot, mm-hmm. and. um and, you know, I just moved into a punk house and um, I lived at a punk house uh, in Newark, Delaware for like maybe about five or six months. And with it was a punk queer house. So there was, you know, punks and queers in the house. And over the landline, some people uh, were talking about going to um, Santa Cruz and um, to go to college and all this stuff. And I basically just ended up jumping in a car and going across uh, the country in the middle of the summer um, with a couple of friends. And I, my energetic attitude was like, I'm just out of here. You know, like I have to get away from the East coast. I have to get Mm -hmm. away from a lot of the ways that I was socialized and built up. Uh, My sister had ran away to be uh, gay in in San Francisco, uh, maybe six or seven years before that. When I was 16, I went and uh, stayed with her for about three weeks. I was going through a life transition, and my mom suggested that I go fly out and see my sister as a way to like, kind of like get a hold on some stuff that was going on with me. So I touched down in the mission when I was 16, continued my life there. I like went right up to Haight Street and started selling drugs like two days after I got there. Mm-hmm. Just because that's what I was already doing. And I just was like, okay, I'm just go do this. And so I just ran around with a bunch of kids up there, had a little sense of what it was like. And then by the time I was 18, I just ended up gravitating here via asking the question, where 
can you be like queer? Like, where can you, you know, but it was very, I was also like, at this time, this is a hard, like somebody also, when I was 18, like a friend of mine who was like, you know, this like uh, cute, like uh, boyfriend of mine, Pete like asked me, and they were like a gay feminist and they, we were playing pinball at 18 and he asked me like why I referred to like all women as bitches and hoes at the time, mm. you know, cause like I just spoke like that and I just was like, well, bitches be like, blah, 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 you know, fuck hoes, like blah, blah, blah. And that's the way I spoke. And I was like, well, what do you mean? You know, like I didn't even, I didn't have a lot of a political reference for, mm-hmm. for certain energies or something. And so I didn't like in this like really smart, like, you know, like, where do I go be queer? Like, I need to come out. Like, I need to do this. It was like this sort of gravity, like was pulling me Mm. to what I was like saying on the inside of my body, but was like really needing, you know, to do a big overhaul, you know, in my life. But (laughs) so I ended up in the Bay Area just because, um, you know, I was on the phone with a, a boy that I was in love with at the time, and we were best friends, and, um, you know, they ended up uh, in a basement in San Francisco, and I I moved in with them eventually. And, like, we moved into the outer sunset, and uh, we're paying, like, $75 each to live in a closet in somebody's uh, basement mm-hmm. and so the, that was the beginning of just arriving to San Francisco mm-hmm. so, so queer stuff um I don't forget the beginning of that question <laughs> yeah what brought you there I mean but, queer stuff yeah just like- just the opportunity to to explore um my heart like I had known that since I was pretty young like 13 that I even younger, I knew everything was bullshit. Like when I was like, maybe like nine or 10, I I really felt like things were were not as they seemed on paper. Mm -hmm. But like around 13, I was like, more like, oh, like I, I want to be free to do me, however I choose, you know? And so I had known that for a long time, you know? Mm -hmm. Has that, I mean, this is like a really broad question and you can answer okay. kind of however you want to, but has that been your experience in the Bay area? I mean, you've, it's, it sounds like you've been there a long time. So yeah, I have, I've been here for 25 years or something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it comp- I mean, it astronomically different from where I, I came from, Sure, you know, for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, it, 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 it's all really weird. I mean, I, like, I don't have, like, a lot of emphasis on, like, wearing uh, women's clothes or, like, like, I'm not really sure what clothes are about, you know. I'll just say yeah. that before I start talking about this. But, like, when I was, like, 17, me and my friend, uh, you know, when I was in that punk house, we were like, let's go make a movie. Let's make a video with our friends or whatever. And um, we got uh, dressed up in small little skirts and uh, went out to Newark, Delaware's uh, Main Street, you know, this Main Street in Delaware, where all these uh, college kids hang out and all this stuff. And uh, we were outside for about like 10 minutes and people said, hey, what's up? Like saying, trying to say hello to us for a couple of minutes. And then they realized we were, uh, you know, men young men and boys in these and these women's outfits and you know we were getting bottles thrown at us and we were like you know three seconds away from being attacked and running within 10 minutes you know mm. and so that's that's 17 and then I had a lot of sort of strange moments with it and then around 25 you know, and all through my life, I've been investigating my queer self or whatever. Like, I've been out since I was 18. Mm-hmm. I was out earlier than that, but I've been, like, publicly out and, mm-hmm. and standing by it since I was 18 for sure. Maybe 17 or 16 even. But, like, um, when I was, like, 25, I like, put on this dress 
and was in my house and was uh, I was on Valencia and 16th at the time and uh, when it was way different than it is now it was like a much more cool and and tough I had a lot of different diversities to it Mm -hmm. but it's like I put on this dress and I walked outside and these two um, fags I'm gonna say fags because I'm a part of the community I don't know if that Mm -hmm. relates over Mm -hmm. the internet or whatever but these two gay men I walked by me and uh, I should be more polite since it's the internet, right? <laughs> but these two, uh, <laughs> and it's not even, it's not derogatory. But yeah, so these two you. gay men, uh, yeah, these two gay men, um, you know, walked by me and they said, oh girl, it takes all kinds. This person is a mess. And they're talking about me, mm. you know what I mean? And that fucking dropped my heart to the floor, you know, mm-hmm. that... And so it's a mixed bag in terms of, um, you know, how perfect it is or whatever. Have I been, I've fought for my life on the streets of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So in, in, you know, terror, blood, blah, 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 blah. So, and sometimes that would be regular. Like there's a lot of differences. Like if you have a car, you're crazy safe, you know, like you're so privileged to have a car and drive around and stuff but there's uh you know upwards to like you know 10 years where like my feet were on the ground in the city at all hours of the night doing whatever I wanted and uh you know people attack you for transphobia like uh you know really intensely if you're outside mm-hmm. you know like um it's a there's like a lot of dividing lines of what, of, you know, having a vehicle is, uh, mm, you know, yeah. a home and stuff is, is paramount for your safety sometimes. And a dog, you know, I had a pit bull during this time, which like changed my life when I got a dog. Mm. And, um, yeah, but, and so it's, it's a bunch of things like it's not. And then there's, you know, there's community policing in the queer community, which I'd like to like just, shout out as, yeah. a, let's, as a mess you know yeah like, let's talk about that a little bit <laughs> because because actually yeah. when I you know I mentioned to you earlier but when I yeah. I lived in the Bay Area about I don't know at least 15 years ago lived in the mission uh, and you know that was kind of at the time that that gay shame was I don't know exactly the timeline, but gay shame was a thing then. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, I was probably involved with it then too. Yeah, yeah you were totally, I bet. And, mm-hmm. or you, I know you were. And so right. I think that's, that's a little bit of like where my mind goes, but I would love to hear about, and for people who don't know about gay shame, maybe you can just talk about it and talk about the way that the policing does happen in, in the queer community as well. Right. Well, I mean, uh, Gay Shame is an amazing organization and a collective of, of people calling in into the light the atrocities of, of the uh, upper class and uh, gay community. Mm-hmm. So there's an upper class gay community. There's an upper class gay white male community. You know, gay white males, you know, need to have light shed on um, uh, their participation in in capitalism, you know, and capitalism's uh, you know worst and whitest sides, um, you know, which are uh, you know like the death and de- betrayal of the spirit and the planet and everything. So, gay shame uh, is an organization and a group of people that um, you know, are going to point out like, hey, we're a part of the gay community and we're watching a lot of the gay community, you know, assimilate and uh, start to take shape as these capitalist monsters, you know. And I completely support uh, gay shame in all their activities around uh, bringing all of those things to light and uh, bringing up and, and, and staging like havoc or attention on any level um, to anybody's uh, needs that are struggling in this world, you know, when it's a struggle for resources and some other people have too many resources, you know, mm-hmm. and are dominating over the resources. So it's like, that's, and that said, like I a hundred percent support gay shame, 
a million percent. But early on in Gay Shame's existence, you know, it started from the in New York City, uh, Matilda uh, Sycamore uh, Bernstein uh, started it uh, with some people in New York and then brought it over to San Francisco. And we all jumped on uh, to be radical queers. And there was a major split in Gay Shame where a lot of people wanted to go and be really hard line policing and and expressing uh you know pain and clarity around um many issues basically Mm, mm -hmm. and there was also a group of us that sort of separated and you know had more of a woo-woo aspect to it where like we're like you know we're trying to like jump on the love and jump on to these other angles Mm. and like and like you know announcing some of these things and community policing in this way isn't necessarily our style you know and so during that time I split off from gay shame and actually felt just kind of like I don't feel good about participating in some of this thing and I don't have any qualms about like you know shitting all over people that are horrible you know like Mm -hmm. fuck you like you know whatever you know like I'm not worried about them um but I'm worried about myself you know like I I want to be engaging with people in like the most positive spirit. And like, I think the bigger, the spirit that hangs above all that and all this bullshit is kind of the answer for me, you know? So, um, so there's, so there's all of that. Um, communities policing is, is, is really complicated. It's really, really important. And, um, it has a lot, a lot of aspects to it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I I would venture in if you had other any other questions because it's a hard it's a hard thing to articulate. Um, well, I think it's it's interesting. Know. Yeah, just definitely. I mean, I think <laughs> what's interesting for me to hear about, um, and maybe for some of the listeners, is 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 hearing about kind of what the the like nuances or subtleties of what is happening in the queer community and the queer activist community in the Bay area, this exists all over the country and world, but you know, that sometimes there isn't a lot of nuance in terms of, you know, decisions, like you said, the decision you made to not to turn away from this organization or, or exactly, but just to kind of like focus on what felt like the kind of activism or the kind of creative work that felt more aligned for you. And, and I think that I'd love to hear more about kind of where that took you, you know, in terms of the art that you're making now that you have been making for a really long time, the, you know, um, yeah, some Mm -hmm. of the stuff that you're, you're kind of, at least in certain circles, you're, you know, you're more well known for. Yeah. Um, and so, let me get a hold of that question better. <laughs> yeah, that's a long, a long-winded way of saying what. Um, what happened after gay shame for you specifically? Uh, what see. really, like, what really? <laughs> like, where did I ended up taking all that stuff? Um, yeah, yeah, like the woo, the the queer woo, but made right. it your own. You know, um, I, I just, I mean, so. Uh, to put it in perspective, I'm somebody who is um, working on these topics daily. Yeah. You know, like um, I really hold my art practice up as um, well, pretty much the first thing I want to be doing in my life. You know, mm. like it's just really what I want to be doing. And so like how how to create and um, imagery and senses and textile, you know, feelings or sounds and stuff that like relate to um sort of uh you know us becoming uh you know more sensible um uh, humans on the planet maybe I guess you could say and more sensible people to each other you know like I basically left that or that group of folks and um kind of continued on a path of uh just trying to develop my voice Uh, really the way I wanted to say it and for me I think what followed was putting on a lot of my own events where I used these events which would be like art shows and more often than not free dinners uh, free dinners and squats 
all, everything's public. Everything's very actively public. I walk down the street. I ask everybody on the street to come. I tell everybody on the corner store to come. I uh, Everywhere I go, I'm telling the people to come, like, uh, come to these events. And at these events uh, that I'm throwing, whether it be a breakfast, you know, program with people to serve just uh, folks that are outside and don't have kitchens um, or if it's like, um, you know, trying to engage with college students and uh, any, anybody, I'm like trying to pull people in to my art and to these events. I started creating these events and, um, you know, like in, in, within these events, it just would, I would try to make them encapsulate and communicate to everybody what I wanted to be happening. Like I, you know, and I would do that through the language of the flyers and, and the visuals of the art mm-hmm. and what was on display there. Um, and so, like, in the event, like, whether it be other performers curated or uh, other art, and it would all, what it would all be about would be kind of trailing off of uh, Sophia Lamar, who's a club thrower in New York, a trans, uh, you know, icon, uh, 80s club thrower, where you have to have uh, a mix of everyone for everything to like really be just right. And so like you need straight people, you need queer people, you need uh, some people from the upper class, you need a lot of, uh, you know, working class folks, like you need this mix so that everybody vibes and bounces off of each other's energy Mm -hmm. and it creates uh, a sensible calmness. And when everybody's just in their community in, in spaces that we tend to be more crabs in a barrel and start to vibrate off of each other, like who's not like me? What's different? Well, how do I want to like adjust myself based off of, of what I'm reading off of other people? Like when you switch your attention and don't read off your community, you start to like be like, you know, I don't want to be uh, like these, like this other group of people. And it kind of loosens things up. And so I was very interested in a really diverse grouping of people, like lots of different types of people, lots of sexualities. And then within that, we all come together and we eat and we engage in um, celebration. Mm-hmm. I, I began, you know, questioning people's energy around celebration because I was like, you know, what, what do we, what's all this protesting stuff about and this fighting people i was like you know fuck fuck these people i've never even paid attention to these people i've never like nobody no authority member or overseer or society like structurer has ever you know fuck them like i don't pay attention i'm like focused on my shit Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) basically oh gosh i don't know (laughs) i went on so many uh trips but it's like celebration um I started to just really realize its focal point of like what it is when a community comes together and and celebrates, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and even within mourning, you know, what it is like when we mourn and celebrate together. Right. It's like um, I started seeing that as a more powerful community building and a more powerful community adjustment and um, then protesting, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just really haven't related, like I, I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder and don't perfectly relate to asking or begging or really even speaking to the powers that be, like speaking to the court system, you know, it's like the court system is the absolute devil turned upside down, like split in half, like it's the most grotesque thing in the world. Like I, I, I'm not trying to speak to those people like they really have any merit on my life, you know, but Mm -hmm. I I will tell, like state what I, what I think, you know, my rights are, but I, it's, you know, so I, I didn't really relate to protesting and I started Mm -hmm. to relate to, um, celebration. And I thought it was weird how often people, uh, look down on celebration, you know, they'd be like, Oh, what you're like, going to celebrate in the streets, like your power of your life, you know? Like we're we're trying to protest these, you know, men that are fucking with us in the Capitol. <laughs> so it's like I don't know. I just started getting moving away from that. So yeah, that make. I mean, I I hear you. I I wonder where 
like the, I like this idea of, or I'm thinking it makes a lot of sense to me, I guess, this idea of even in mourning, there's, you know, cel- not even, but mourning yeah. is, is a celebration and all that. Like one of the things that, you know, people, I think maybe if they do know who you are and know about your work is that they think about the stop men stuff. Mm-hmm stop men potluck the you know the like the clothing all of that and I just wonder where that maybe you can speak a little bit about uh-huh. that but also kind of where that fits in in terms of kind of a, in some way a celebration of of something that is is referencing mm-hmm. violence essentially you know um, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing just because it's Stout, the stout men stuff I'll, I'll totally tell you where it comes from but yeah. it's really funny I get this comment a lot um from people that feel uncomfortable with stout men not that you do no but, yeah I don't <laughs> uh, a lot of people say they'll say like well I've had multiple people say this to me and they, but they'll say like you know you say stop men but like why don't you just say stop violence uh-huh. and I'm like dang you really just I mean, I didn't say anything about violence yet. You know, like I just said, stop, man. Mm. <laughs> and people jump up with that word violence, like right away. You know, they're just like, okay. Right. <laughs> I just giggled a little bit because you mentioned uh, it having something to do with violence. I'm not really bringing that. Uh, no, you're uh, not. No, I think. Not, not with those two words. I mean, right. if you ask me further, I'll, I'll bring it up. right 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 right. yeah I think for me I mean what you I'd love to hear you speak about it but I think what it's it's sort of just it's referencing you know something around like toxic masculinity or you know it's it's sort of bringing into conversation the it's very provocative like why stop men what Mm -hmm. you know and I think that's it's very it's interesting so I'd love to hear you you know, speak more about how it came about for you. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for saying a bit about uh, what it first touched you because like uh, I I do my, for starters, I do tend to, you know, just kind of leave it be, you know, Mm -hmm. like I I don't Mm -hmm. really speak on it. And uh, you have to ask me like two or three times really about it before like I'll really say what I think about it. Like I just kind of leave it alone myself Mm -hmm. and other so everybody has you know most people that relate to it in a community way where I'm like helping dress people and announce this to people on their clothes like I make clothes that say stop men yeah and so it's like when I'm making clothes that say stop men you know my you know 10 out of 10 times my reaction with people is just people who feel me you know it's just like okay we feel each other and and that's it. We don't really discuss it. And then occasionally, like I've had, um, you know, recently a couple of uh, trans men, you know, talk to me about how just more in depth, you know, like, you know, how as a trans man, uh, should I be taking this? And, you know, so I've had some like deeper conversations with about in other ways, but, um, Mm. but just to give, you know, some of its background, I mean, Mama is reluctant to say it, but I, I you know, because I do like uh, people just to take it however they want it. Like I don't, yeah, um, come up with your own thing first, you know. But for me, uh, stop men. You know, uh, I've been probably writing it, and um, you know, being it's been a part of my work for about fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And um, during that gay shame time, and during a lot of my protesting and and engaging with the Mission Anti-Displacement Coalition for, you know, a couple of years and the Coalition on Homelessness and working for all these organizations and uh, advocating for uh, different types of people and everything. Everything I did lost, you know, everything. Like every single fucking thing I participated Mm -hmm. failed. Mm -hmm. Like failed every fuck everything everything i like if i breathed the thought it would come back negative like it was just like wow like nothing's coming coming you know nothing i'm doing's working with in any kind of way or helping anything mm-hmm. and so i just basically like was like i don't want to protest laws that you know are unjust to people and jails unjust to people and 
and uh, health as a right or not. You know, like I don't want to uh, protest a hundred things or question a million things. I just want to go right to the source and who the fuck is running all this shit. And it's men. You know what I mean? And men are making all these decisions, creating this whole framework and unchecked, you know, the most violent men, unfortunately, in the, in the country are, are shaping our reality, you know? And so I just really quickly was just like, oh, well, stop men. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's obvious. You know, I'm just like, stop men is where I'm at with that. That's what I want to say, which is mm-hmm. stop men. All men need to check themselves. And so from there, and I, I'm completely comfortable with that, with myself. Like I, I, I've been checking myself and trying to learn how to be a good, healthy person for luckily most of my life, you know, mm. not all of my life, but luckily most of it. And so, you know, that's that. Um, and the, and a, a heavier way, like a, sometimes I have a little spit that I say, you know, which I maybe can't get through it perfectly but it's like um a lot of times i answer like this which is uh, stop man is the avocation of silence of all men in regards to decision making and leadership over any and all other living things uh, and that men are totally chill to do whatever over their person you know make any decisions you want over your person and whatever the fuck you want to do but in terms of making decisions or participating in decisions over other living things it's we're at a full stop right now like Mm. the the and the planet is coming to an end and everything on this planet has shaped been shaped by uh male violence you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and uh we're we're off that page and we're like flipping that page starting something new and it starts with men being silent and dealing with listening and not making any decisions of power over leadership of anyone and this is just like an immediate stop and from there i'm not really suggesting who is to take power or whatever i'm out of that but mm-hmm. i'm saying that that needs to happen and that if men are making decisions over other people if they're um you know forcing their opinion into a conversation uh they are identified as non-revolutionaries these are non-revolutionary men that need to be stopped and and uh quailed separated from i don't know but you you know motherfuckers really 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 need to listen and if they want to say anything about it if anybody wants to say anything about it, it's too late. It's too much mm-hmm. pain going on. Mm. And I'm saying it's like right now, today, shut up and listen. The day is better. You, we made the day better now that your violent ass isn't talking anymore. And mm-hmm. so, and that, and, you know, certainly for me, um, I don't, I, I love men, you know, I absolutely like, I, I love men. Like I, uh, you know, so it's, this isn't like in any kind of way about hating men, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I, uh, and it's, you know, and I, and I live a confused reality of like, you know, engaging with tons and tons and tons of people in the world. And I can't ever really, you know, place all of these energies into this, you know, concise, powerful way that I'm putting it. You know, like there's some, mm. like there's amazing, you know, people working for Google that are incredibly sweet, that are like trying to make algorithms for uh, people so to have better abilities with people who have different abilities. Um, right. Than others, you know, like there's incredible, beautiful men in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. But as humans, we all, you know, have to, you know, like be able to be called in to check. And mm-hmm. men are, you know, the most unchecked people in the world. They are fragile and cry like babies as soon as they're touched about the subject. Lots of people, like, you know. And so all of that. And then the final thing is just like um, I took it from uh, Martin Luther King said, the greatest purveyors of violence is the USA in the world or whatever. And I was just like, okay, well, the greatest purveyors of violence in the world is, is men. And, and, and that's just a fact. And so somehow that trailed me off into all that thinking. And, 
um, making clothes and making artwork that, with the words stop men and it, you know, right now is invoking a conversation and um, is supportive um, to victims uh, in a way that is uh, working for me, you know, but um, even then I would, uh, I think if I was to have the biggest platform, I think I would um, have it be a component, you know, not, right. I, 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 I want like heart, you know, and I want, um, you know, uh, you know, love over all decision-making uh, to be first and foremost rather than uh, anything. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, it is a nightmare. Like people need to really understand that shit with men is a fucking nightmare. Cause it's like, I, I like maybe five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago was considering not making feminist art, you know, like I was just like, damn, like I'm not like on this track where this is like who I am, what I do. And I was talking to my aunt for a second and she just was drunk on the phone with me. She had drank quite a lot. You know, she told me all these horrible things that have happened to her throughout her whole life. Mm -hmm. And it just set me off on another 10 years of making feminist art. And and since you're giving me a bit, one second of a platform, but it's like, I I do have a lot of people that are like, you know, and as a trans person, you open up. I, as a young, when I was 18, 19, and I was like, oh, I'm queer, I'm trans the first thing women would say to me was I've been assaulted like Mm -hmm. that. And that was, and so when I was 20, I ran around with a bat trying to fight everybody that assaulted women in my community. Mm -hmm. And I, and we, that's where I was coming from. And it was a full flex chaos throwdown. You fucking, you want to overpower and abuse somebody that I know uh, we're going to come get you. And so I did that for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. The stout men used to be literal. Yeah. You know? Right. Literal. And uh, that's how, and a lot of, and there's, you know, that's not like some crazy threat, but if you look around, there's a lot of communities get down like that. You know, it's like, Hey, like we're not having this for real. You know, I've been a part of running, running that track or whatever, but that was it. That's where I was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> Well, I know it's really multi-layered and I, I yeah, you know, so it's, a, it's a lot, I know. It's a lot. Yeah. And I really appreciate you kind of opening up about all of that. I think you're, it seems like the work that you're doing now, and I'm, I'm referring mostly to what I've seen on your website and Instagram, because I don't, I don't live in the Bay area and not that sure. you only work there, but the mural work and, and some of the newer collaboration or the collaborations you're in, you know, mm-hmm. currently, I feel like that it is coming across that that there's a kind of vibrancy to that, like, love message that you're talking right. about, you know? Um, so maybe... Oh, that's first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, the message I just said to you, I never say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I never put that out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's just because this is like, uh, you know, it's supposed to be an intimate conversation and everything. Yeah. And it's for the public or whatever. It's a good thing to lay down, but it's like, I personally just only come with like, you know, positive energy and openness. And, you know, when people conflict with me about it and say things like, I got, I got people like fighting with me about stuff like that all the time and saying mm-hmm. like, I don't agree with this or who, who are you? And, you know, I've like had def- like all sorts of different things. And my response is laid back. I mean, I, my, number one priority is to take care of myself. And, you know, I don't, I keep myself in, I rarely go into uh, an anger or, you know, antagonized energy. Cause Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I I rarely see a point to do that. Like you would be going crazy Mm -hmm. if you did that with everybody that set you off. (laughs) So, so So the love is the only you yeah. you like channel a lot of that into this kind of or whatever comes up for you into like a really intentional daily practice of of hard working art sure. creation yeah that well it's all channeled from from like my childhood like that mm. like these are the answers that are going to fix what i wanted in my life that to be different you know like these are this is the whole the whole package is about what I want, 
I want more safety. I want more freedom. I, you know, I want more like uh, good and like beautiful, intimate connections with people uh, mm-hmm. without barriers, uh, yeah. trust, um, friendship, uh, community access, you know, less working, uh, you know, like I'm a minimum wage type bullshit, like trying to survive stuff, you know, like uh, that's, I'm not really focused on stopping men at all. <laughs> you know it's a clown I'm clowning you yeah. know it's yeah. very much that yeah I'm just like if this fucks with you then you're on the you're in the wrong place because it doesn't mm-hmm. fuck with any women you know like yeah. and the women that it does fuck with you know you, I I'm not going to say they're in the wrong place but it's uh worth questioning or looking at you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh like, um, I feel more comfortable telling men they're in the wrong place. It's like, I'm socialized as a man. Like, I'll say some shit to you. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, yeah. So. Wow. You actually just kind of stole my last question. Oh, yeah. From, away from me. Um, so, yeah. If there's anything else you want to add to this idea of what you would like to say or wish you could say to a younger version of yourself? Oh, a younger version of myself? Yeah. Um, I would say don't chase the carrot, you know? Like, I had this little thing where I was coming up from, this is just, it's like I was coming up from Delaware and moving to a large city. I didn't have, like, a scene reference before in my life, but Mm. I didn't really have, like, a capitalist, like, happening reference in my life. I didn't have politics in my life, like, I was not really a part of that system where I was living. And when I arrived in it, you know, like I got into art as like my, my voice, you know, I, I didn't feel like I had a lot of angles. It was either like working shit, like service industry only or art. And like, you know, I had this thing where I felt like I, I started to do art and I went to like, I got tapped by um, the San Francisco uh, Yerba Buena Center Museum when I was mm-hmm. like 22 or something. Uh-huh. And they yeah. said, you know, like, you're a sick artist, come here and produce. And I, at that moment, I'm very happy with, like, like, I've gotten my, like, life not through the art world. Like, I haven't, like, received uh, much support of resources or money as a queer person in the art world. Mm-hmm. And, um, I kept trying to see if it would work for me. You know, yeah. there was a handful of years where I w- did show back to back to back to back to back. And I kept doing all these shows and I was like the, the barrel was like dry for resources and support for the type of person that I was. Mm-hmm. And I, and so like you need to, you absolutely need to love and get along with white men to make it in the art world. Like there is no (laughs) way around that. Like it's not like any aside or anything. It's a step one fact. And so step one fact, I don't get along with, you know, uh, a lot of these types of guys, you know, and I don't mean even again to say it negatively. I just like, you know, especially at that age, I wasn't really, it wasn't working. And so I spent, you know, and wasted a lot, a lot of time um, showing stuff, you know, like I've showed in Chelsea, New York. I poured my heart out, you know, for three months making artwork. Mm. Uh, I'm eating food out of the trash and like sleeping in, you know, different types of situations that none of the people involved are, are putting up with in terms of their like living standard or comfort. I'm walking away with nothing most of the time. Mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, it's like I'm showing in Chelsea and I had like movie stars and shit coming to my shows when I was like 22, 23. And they would walk through and then they would walk through the other person's show and they would walk upstairs and go through all these shows. And they, they, everybody went and wine and cheese. Like, what the fuck is wine and cheese? I'm hella hungry. I'm fucking hungry. Mm-hmm. I'm not going out to dinner before. I, I, you know, I don't necessarily even have a kitchen at the time. And like, wine and cheese you breeze through my art show and walk away and me on the flip side i'm doing like punk and like queer shit and doing street shit where i'm like showing my artwork and bringing 
breakfast or dinner to people on the street. And people are like, damn, you made this artwork. You made this food. And they're like hugging me. And they're like, you know, giving me, you know, slaps and like all this stuff. Like we're, I'm like building community, you know what I mean? Mm. And then you like the next month I go to Chelsea, New York and all these, the top echelon of, of, of uh, the United States, you know, in some, some regard, like one of them, you know, are sliding through and I don't feel, I feel like I'm freezing, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And like, so when you're, so immediately I was just like, well, I have no time for that cold shit. You know, and I quit that stuff like when I was like 26, 20, or like uh, 2006, 2000. So like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I just was like, well, it's a wrap. And, uh, you know, I, I do museum shows now. And like I, I've worked a lot of angles to keep myself, you know, up in the public eye and, and, mm. and as a strong community artist and stuff. But I've never been represented. I've done all this work myself. Mm. And, um, when I get into museums and stuff like that now, you know, it's a, it's pretty much about the, what I choose and what, what world I've created and, and we that's where we're starting. And, um, and it's not easy, but I'm kind of only willing to do public things. Like I don't really want to do gallery stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've just, you know, I pretty much retired from gallery stuff like 10 years ago and, working you know uh, all my relationships are kind of art relationships that are collaborative towards this mm. energy yeah uh, yeah doing this uh thing that i'm doing now with um like my partner and my best friend like we are making art together and uh presenting it to the world like as much as possible it's been a really galvanizing force to uh be working with somebody else yeah. who is just really interested in doing the good work and that's it you know Mm. so how can people let's let's talk a little bit about how people can find out like see that work and support it yeah in terms of like uh, a plug I mean Instagram is kind of my biggest like talking point you know Um, okay and like that's just where I like you know put things up regularly and Mm -hmm. uh, you know talk about things and I still do uh, free dinners in Oakland in the winter and mm-hmm. the fall and winter and um, work with people. And um, I don't know, just to maybe like check in on the internet, like punch in my name. Uh, MCXT is the collaboration. Mm-hmm. Monica Canelau is the person I'm in collaboration with uh, the most right now. Zarathustra is my Instagram handle. And like, uh, you know, just kind of keeping an eye out you know, any monetary support, like, um, is like super helpful. We have like a PDF that we like send out that's just has like artwork and different things we've made that are available Mm, um, for like really fair prices. And then like, you know, hitting links in the Instagram uh, bio and like buying like a $40 t-shirt helps. But in terms of, you know, a real plug and like really like what helps me the most in my life and my art is definitely like people getting active around creating community, really like pushing everybody who's listening to really push themselves out of their boundaries and create community, like grab other people, invite them over for dinner, go to the park, do singing lessons, uh, community cleanup days, like do something to engage in the community. Like it is, it's remarkable how fast like good grows, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of these like dinners that I've been doing, like these free dinners, like 30 people come together and eat. And we all like, uh, people ask each other, like, what are you doing? Like, it's all about a good intention you know Mm -hmm. like it's stated this is a good intention why we're coming together yeah so people come together just for a good intention and have a moment within that coming together where people talk maybe 45 minutes and speak uh publicly within the group uh about how they feel and what what's going on with them personally but when you get 30 people together to do something good to communicate just to build a better energy like i watch people leave and they go date each other for for sometimes and they go to movies with each other totally. and like yeah. other people engage and provide each other with different resources and when i come in contact with people who are building community 
I just get a lot of life force off them. And I feel really good around folks like that. And um, I don't really need my interaction with people to be about like a commer- a commercial trade. Right. I do. Mm-hmm. I like desperately need money. So yeah. like if you fucking have anything to do with money out in the world, call us. We're like top 10 on the you know United States mural list art hustle. Yeah. Like we're amazing. We do nothing. Every, every, if you check in with the people we work with, we're, we're working as hard as we can, you know, yeah. to make art. So if there's a paid gig, you know, please email me. Yeah. But, that's just real. Uh, that's what's, yeah, that's yeah. real life. But, yeah. um, but first the biggest thing that um, helps me out is, is not really engaging with people about paid gigs. It's engaging with people about what's exciting and fun and going on with them and, and what they're going through or how they're changing and, you know, their struggles. Like that stuff's the best stuff for me. Mm, for sure. Well, thank yeah. you so much. I really oh appreciate it. gosh, we got through it. The, I'm supposed to be at work. Ooh. Oh, okay. No, right. no, it's no big deal. There's like somebody at the door being like, dang, you said two. That's, okay. All right, uh, cool. All right. <laughs> 